Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to See Georgia Southern. The play is known simply as the run. Peterson took a handoff up the middle, broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, spins away from the next defender he meets, and he shakes off a diving tackler. 30 yards down the field, he meets another defender and literally throws him out of the way with his right arm, grabs him by the shoulder pad, and swipes him off onto the sideline. It was really so surreal because the place is going completely berserk during the run until he throws off that defender. He throws off that defender, the whole place went silent, stone silent, like an intake of breath. It was just so amazing. Nobody had ever seen it before. And then, of course, the place exploded again after they all caught their breath. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit savannahnow.com slash sports and click on tickets. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Hope you guys all had a happy new year and and happy holiday season. We're excited to be back with you Um, today on today's episode. We'll talk about some football news and then get into some basketball stuff on the football side. Um, We'll touch on some juniors declaring that they'll return for their senior seasons. Um, Georgia Southern also had a wide receiver freshman uh, announce his transfer officially. And then I want to get into some things that I've seen you guys talking about on Twitter and kind of Facebook and other social media sites, just because that's really my only forum to talk to you guys or maybe just talk out loud to producer Zach about those things that kind of bug me or for the most part, uh, confuse me. So what is it though? It's the family guy thing. It's, you know, what really grinds my gears. Yeah. It grinds my gears. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that. We're adding that segment, I guess. Um, all the gears are grinding, but, uh, <laughs> listen, before we jump into, uh, football news and notes i do want to get to probably the most important part of the show today and that's the results of our georgia southern extra bowl pick'em uh contest we did it through espn.com uh, appreciate all you guys who joined we had uh c bailey was the winner now on espn.com you don't have to provide your real first and last name so that's his or her i guess uh screen name so c bailey with 25 points won. Greg and I both had 25, so we tied at the top, but C. Bailey won on the tiebreakers. So if you're listening to this, you have an opportunity. You have a free 30 seconds on the podcast whenever you like to come on and tell us how much smarter you are than me and Greg and really anything you want to talk about sports-wise, Georgia Southern-wise, you'll have 30 seconds to do that. So if you're listening to this, reach out to us through email or Twitter, and we'll, we'll make that happen. Also... C. Bailey finished in first, but perhaps just as important was that producer Zach came in second to last place, and my younger brother, Michael, came in dead last place. So How young is your brother? He is 22. Okay, so we're in the same realm. All right, cool. Yeah, so... I was hoping he was like six or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Unfortunately, you guys, what a, what a poor performance, but at least did you, you didn't pick Tennessee, did you? I tried to. Uh, I, I kept trying. Him. I couldn't find him on the. On couldn't the list. find him on the bowl pitch. Yeah, I was looking. Time. I was like, "Where's Where's Tennessee?" Strange. Yeah. So, all right, let's jump. Uh, let's jump into uh, football first. We'll We'll go with football 
for a few minutes, and then we'll close out the show with basketball um, as Georgia Southern's 9-6 and six in basketball heading into Sunbelt Conference play. But let's start with the juniors who have announced that they're returning to school. We touched on this at the end of the at the end of the regular season, and you know, I thought that Monquavian, Brinson, and Kendall Vildor had, you know, at least a slight chance of declaring. I didn't think they would, but it was worth noting. And now you have your confirmation from Vildor uh, last week, and from Monquavian, Brinson, and even Tyler Bass, the All Sun Belt kicker, uh, has also announced that he'll be staying for his senior year. So, what we thought we knew, we now definitely know. Um, and that's the Georgia Southern's cornerback tandem will, will be one of the best in the country next year, I, I would think, on paper at least, coming in. Um, certainly one of the better ones in the Sun Belt now that Clifton Duck has left App State for the NFL draft. So, uh, you know, that's obviously great news for the depth of the secondary. Safety will still be a concern for Georgia Southern defense, at least early on, but um, should be no problems in the back half of the defense for, for the Eagles moving forward. Uh, we also had freshman receiver Marcus Rogers, who who I was high on. I know Greg Talbot was high on him. Um, ha- had a decent year. I mean, didn't really produce a lot of stats, but he's announced that he is transferring to the JUCO Iowa Western Community College. And for those wondering, it's not like he's transferring there in order to, to find prestige. Likely that's a one-year move until he can get back on with either a, a G5 school or or you know, for his sake, maybe a P5 school. But Marcus Rogers has left. You'll remember Devarius Bargner, another freshman receiver for Georgia Southern, was dismissed from the team uh, prior to the Coastal Carolina game. So from that 2018 recruiting class, you've lost two wide receivers. So might be something that Lunsford and Bob the Best look into heading into the the early February signing day, which would be February 6th, I believe, uh, first Wednesday in February. So um, might be a spot at receiver that, that you look to maybe sign one one or two more guys than you originally anticipated. Um, let's touch on some key dates that you guys should probably be aware of uh, moving forward. So, you know, January 13th is Sunday. Um, it's a team meeting and ring sizing. So what's going to happen is at 7 p.m., the Georgia Southern football team will meet at the Smith Building um, at Paulson Stadium. And that will be the seven o'clock meeting will be the first time that the Georgia Southern football team will meet without the 2018 seniors. So in essence, that will be the de facto beginning of the 2019 season or the 2019 preseason, at least the next day, January 14th, Monday, first day of classes in Statesboro. Uh, If you're listening to this in Statesboro and you have those classes coming up, I'm sorry, I do feel for you. But they do start January 14th. February 6th, like we talked about, is National Signing Day. And then February 16th will be Georgia Southern's Team Banquet. They do it annually. Most programs do this um, where, you know, it's typically a shirt and tie type event. And you are presenting team awards from the team to the team um, and kind of really just honoring whatever that team accomplished um, for me, that point, February 16th, will be the final point where 2018 is put completely behind Chad Lunsford and, and his team. Um, and then one last... having the banquet? The banquet is in Statesboro. But like I a McDonald's not, or something? I do not know. Not McDonald's. <laughs> not McDonald's. They had, to, they had to win the Camellia Bowl. If they didn't, they... 
<laughs> yeah, it, if they lost the Camellia Bowl, maybe it would be at McDonald's. Now it's at a Ruby Tuesday. <laughs> I have to think if they lost the Camellia Bowl, it would have, the banquet would have already happened, and probably not a lot of us would have found out about it. Yeah, so, that's true. <laughs> uh, but an- another key date to note, especially if you're planning on making making a trip this year, this football season in 2019 to to a destination like LSU, or if you're into this kind of thing at Minnesota, March 1st is when the Sun Belt schedule is released. So that's when you'll get the dates for all of the conference games, which may lead you to go to a, a non-conference game or not, depending on how the conference slates sets up. But, I mean, you can assume a couple of things. You can assume that Georgia State will be the finale. You can assume that App State will be right around Halloween, the week before Halloween probably, and it will likely be on a Thursday night in Boone, North Carolina. But Georgia Southern does open up August 31st at um, LSU and it's interesting to think we talked about the the team transitioning from 2018 to 2019 it's certainly interesting to see how you can manage if you're Chad Luntzer in a company you got to do two things you got to one properly honor the 2018 team and the roster that really answered your call and and, and did everything they were asked to do you need to make sure that you're properly honoring them and I think they will but at the same time you have to make sure that the 2019 team isn't going into mid-February, late March, uh, still thinking about the great things that happened in 2018. There has to be some kind of a point where you, and this is a word they use a lot, where you reset and you kind of regain the hunger because last year in the preseason, you you didn't really need the fuel to hunger uh, those players because I think a two and 10 season the year before was enough fuel, would probably be enough fuel for anybody. So um, I think... You have to honor the 2018 team and then make sure that the 2019 team is prepared to move forward. But um, last weekend, I got a chance to talk to Coach Lunsford over the phone, and I asked him that question, how do you, how do you transition um, while still managing to do both of those things? And listen to what he had to say. I thought it was pretty revealing. Well, um, what will happen is you know, our guys still are on break, and they'll, they'll come back on the uh, – We'll have a team meeting on Sunday. I believe that's the 13th, and then school starts on 14th. Um, mm-hmm. So that Sunday night team meeting, that'll be the first time that we have a team meeting uh, without the last year's seniors. And so that, that'll be the point where we turn the focus to 2019 with, with them. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely definitely want to make sure that we honor uh, the seniors and, and what what this team accomplished last year, what the 2018 team accomplished. And so we've got things, you know, kind of set up along the way. Uh, you know, we're going to be doing some ring size and stuff. We're going, you know, we're going to have a football uh, banquet uh, to honor that team and, and those seniors. Uh, you know, and I'm sure there'll be some, like a bowl, pres- uh, a, a trophy presentation or right. or something at a basketball game or, you know, something like that just to, to, to commemorate it. But, as far as the 2019 team, and I'm going to talk to them like that. You know, all right, it's now 2019. It's now time to determine what the legacy of the 2019 team is going to be. Right. Uh, but, again, like we've always talked about, we learn from the past. And so uh, this 2019 team has got to be ready to learn from, what, from last year, whether it was good, whether it was bad, and, and be ready to move on. And then those seniors, and man, they, you know, they got to – 
unbelievable memory that they can keep the rest of their life. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the transition goes, but it's clear that the staff uh, has a plan in place to do both things. Um, and so that's something I'm not really too concerned about, but it is something worth worth paying attention to. All right, let's get to something I wanted to get to um, on this podcast. Obviously, we're not doing the podcast as regularly as we used to. Um, but so, you know, as the days go by, I kind of jot down things that maybe we want to get to whenever uh, we do record the next podcast. And so this is something that I've seen mostly on Twitter, some, some on Facebook, but it's pretty rampant. And I think it's worth talking about it because you guys are talking about it. So obviously it's something you're interested in. I, I certainly want to talk about it. So, and, and what I want to talk about is the kind of, you know, borderline obsession with Georgia and the Georgia Bulldogs football team. And more specifically, the, the failures of the Georgia football team, I guess here's what I'll say. And I welcome any feedback cause I'd love to know kind of what you guys are thinking, you know, maybe I'm just missing something. So when Georgia Southern plays Eastern Michigan, uh, on ESPN, did you see a lot of UGA fans tweeting pictures of themselves wearing Eastern Michigan jerseys and Eastern Michigan hats? Did you see the, the Georgia fans living and dying by every Georgia Southern option play? Did you see them rooting for Georgia Southern to lose in any way, really? Do you ever see Georgia fans spending their free time rooting for Georgia Southern to lose any game, not just a bowl game? And how often is it that you see App State fans concerned greatly with the, with the wins and losses of Tennessee volunteer football? You don't see it. And I guess my point is, and the reason I bring this up is, if you hate Georgia football, if you hate the University of Georgia and you're a Georgia Southern alum or a Georgia Southern fan, that's certainly reasonable. And I can understand that. In fact, I probably expect that. But you should know what it looks like kind of to a third-party bystander. And, and that is, it looks like Georgia, fan, Georgia Southern fans cannot get UGA off their mind. That's what it looks like. Because with all of the things that you could be discussing about Georgia Southern, instead you're focusing on Georgia players leaving for the draft or Georgia's offensive coordinator leaving, and you know, go balls. Yeah, that was a good signing for for Tennessee. I thought with Jim Chaney, but I don't know, Zach. Maybe maybe you have an opinion on this. I guess the only thing that I wouldn't that I don't really understand is that if you hate them, why on earth would you keep repping them? Why do you keep bringing them into the conversation? Treat treat Georgia the way Georgia treats you, and don't care about them <laughs> but they I was, yeah i was gonna say that, that treat them that way and ignore them because exactly i think it's a little bit of a uh little brother syndrome you know it's uh, georgia southern is just definitely uh level wise below uh uga and that's you know that's it's, it's no fault of anybody i mean uga is a big a big school the yeah. only thing i can kind of equate it to is that uh at tennessee the university of tennessee doesn't really think about utc or mtsu or it's not because those schools are like lesser than it's just when you look at like the brand outside of like what they're doing academically or what they're doing on the football team 
right. uh, the the brand of of Tennessee is just more much more massive than any of those other schools, and so I think it's kind of just the uh, the more you know metaphysical, the monolithic UGA is is an easy target to attack, right. while you know Georgia Southern is a. Uh, I just it's it's kind of like that Mad Men scene where Don Draper's just like I don't think of you at all. I think that's UGA to Georgia Southern. They they don't think of them at all. And I think the goal should be for Georgia Southern fans. And and this is, I mean, of course it's the off season. We got to find something to talk about. You but, entertain yourself. But look, I think this is something that's you know at least worth thinking about. If if you would like to at some point be on par with Georgia, I realize that that is not really a possibility just as far as finances and no. and just the size of the school. That's not a slight to anyone. That's just looking at the facts. But if that is something you aspire to, I guess, you should start probably acting in the way that you want to be treated. And so I just don't get the, and I'll say it again, it's, it's an obsession to some point when you're focused more on another team. I mean, it's it's more often UGA hate than App State hate or Georgia State hate, and and I cannot understand it. I'll never understand it. Well, I think that's a and that's a good point too. Is it's it's not like a rivalry week thing. Absolutely or something. Like if like if UGA fans were, are are getting on uh, Auburn or Florida, like that makes sense. They're playing each other. It's a whole For rivalry sure. thing. But I think that the like UGA is not playing uh, Georgia Southern. You you hit on that in your column this past week. But right. it's not like a rivalry that's actively happening, and so that's where it doesn't make sense. So again, I welcome you. Uh, you know, you're probably screaming at the. At the car radio right now, or so. whatever whatever you're listening to this song, but I welcome the feedback and I hope that someone can maybe clarify this. Let's get to what Zach just mentioned. Uh, my column this past week was on the scheduling of Georgia and Georgia Southern. Obviously, we know that they played from 1992 to 2015 every four years. I don't think that getting back to that in the future is is impossible. And anyone that tells you it is impossible is simply wrong or they have an agenda to tell you that because the reason why Georgia isn't going to play Georgia Southern, you guys all know this, is because if Georgia were to beat Georgia Southern, it's just a ho-hum win. It's an average win in the eyes of the voters, in the eyes of, by that point in time, who knows what the playoff committee will look like. But if a Georgia team loses to Georgia Southern, it could be a legitimate body blow to the state's marquee football team so if you're asking a georgia uh, administrator why they would schedule arkansas state for instance in 2019 and ulm in 2020 because a loss to arkansas state doesn't really lose you ground in your own state and that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of it i will say this and, and i touch on this in the column if you want to check it out at savannahnow.com slash sports Chad Lunsford, when I talked to him about this, had a pretty revealing answer again, and it wasn't the answer I was expecting. I was expecting him to kind of go in a different angle, but when I asked him if games against, hypothetically, if games against Georgia and Georgia Tech, Power 5 schools in this state, if those matter more than games against, say, LSU and Minnesota, who really there's no natural tie to those two teams at all listen to what coach Lunsford had to say this past weekend I, I do think there's something to the in-state uh games um you know now I, like Georgia Georgia Tech I don't know what the advantages are for them 
Uh, I don't know what the you know I don't know what the disadvantage is. So I would be speaking in terms of Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know I think it's a it's a great thing. Uh, I know every time that at, at Georgia Southern we've gone up to to Georgia, uh, it's been a sellout crowd. Uh, it's been an awesome environment. Um, you know it's it's just been great for the state. And uh, but again, you know powers that be at Georgia they may not feel the same way. So. Or Georgia Tech, I don't know, but I just know that it, it it raises a little bit more awareness in the state of Georgia when you do those type of things. So that that's Coach Lunsford's response, and and again, the earliest spot I can see a game being scheduled, and this is just based on Georgia schedule and Georgia Southern schedule. You know, I don't have any inside information that talks are happening, but twenty twenty four would be the spot that would make a lot of sense. Both teams have a week two open date. Georgia has yet to schedule a G5 team, and they do so every single year. Uh, Georgia Southern has yet to schedule a Power 5 team that year, and they will do so every single year. Um, so 2024 is not uh, you know, unfathomable, but if it, if it doesn't happen, which I expect it not to happen, um, if it doesn't happen, it will be for no other reason except for that there is no benefit for Georgia because Georgia sees Georgia Southern as a potential third party at, at the table in the state of Georgia. Um, and if you're asking some people, I think that really the, the second party is kind of open right now um, as far as Georgia Tech goes, who, by the way, plays Georgia annually every single year. And I don't know that Georgia has much to gain from playing Georgia Tech either if you beat Georgia Tech. So, you know, so-so in the eyes of the voters, if you lose... Now you have the same argument that you made for not playing Georgia Southern. So it probably won't happen and it won't be for legitimate reasons. I, I can pretty much guarantee that. Final football note for me is, again, clearing clearing the air on something. And I'll just say this quickly and, and hope to get your reactions. I tweeted after the Georgia Tech bowl game, which, which they were massacred in. Um, and, and the gist of the tweet was that option offenses have lots of advantages. Uh, one of those advantages is that a, an opponent will spend all year, every week, preparing for this day and age, most likely a spread option team, uh, a pro-style team, or a read option team, right? And so if you're a triple option team, or uh, I guess in Bob DeBess's case, if you're a pistol option team, one of the advantages you have is that teams aren't used to seeing that style of play. Okay, so we can all agree on that fact. The next step I would take is that if you're given one month to prepare for only an option team, all right, you're not coming off a game against a spread team and you don't have a pro style team coming up after the option game. You got one game, one month option team to prepare for. It is not a hot take to say that the option offense then loses one of its advantages. Again, it has many advantages. One of the advantages it has, and this is not really up for debate, this is from the mouths of option coaches, is that teams have to find a way in six days, sometimes five days, to prepare for a team that they usually don't see. And that, you know, that shouldn't be rocket science, but apparently from me saying that, it got flipped around into me hating the option. And the point is simply this, we, we have these facts and we, and we know these things we can agree on certain things but 
the option offense isn't going to offer a lot of variations in scheme. And, and even with a long break, they're not going to change a lot up. So it is simply a fact that option teams are easier to face when you have lots of time to prepare. Does that mean that a spread offense can't be shut down with lots of time to prepare? No. Does that mean that option teams can't win if there's lots of time before game day? No. Just ask Army. You know, they throttle Houston. But to have time to prepare for an option team is simply an advantage for, for the opponent. And if you don't believe me, you could simply ask Louisiana Monroe, who came off a of bye week this year and throttled Georgia Southern, who was at that point in time, I think, 7-1, and 6-1. and one. So, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And if you don't like it, ask somebody that you think knows – a lot about the offense and a lot about football and see what they have to tell you because again it's not really up for debate it's kind of universally accepted at this point and i didn't realize that i would have to do a lot of convincing of you know just basically factual things so well that- george if you want an easy victory in 2024 <laughs> you can you can have that week two against the option right that we're bringing it back <laughs> and that's some that's some hashtag take news for you guys thanks for listening This podcast is brought to you by SavannahNow.com. For all the latest breaking news and pertinent stories related to your community, check out SavannahNow.com. So let's let's jump into basketball news and notes. Georgia Southern basketball really has kind of had a weird start, but all things considered a good start. They're they're nine and six right now, and they're heading into the start of Sunbelt Conference play. They've already played a couple of games in within the conference. They started at, at what a lot of people think is, is the number two or number three team in the conference um, at Texas State. They lost 73-70 to 70 on, um, you know, a game that was for the most part five, six, seven points the entire game. Um, just didn't, didn't have enough firepower. But Texas State is a really, really good basketball team. So losing on the road to open up conference play there isn't anything to hang your hat on. Then on January 5th, uh, Southern went to UTA, Texas Arlington, knocked off UTA 77-64. to um, And in that game, you had what you've seen for the majority of the season, especially after the first three or four games, and that is that Tukey Brown and Quan Jackson really are shouldering a lot of the burden for this basketball team because of injuries. And for those who haven't been keeping up, Ike Smith, the senior guard and, you know, borderline legendary guard at Georgia Southern, as far as what he's brought to the program has missed several games. He will not be on the upcoming trips to, or the upcoming, he will not play uh, the upcoming games against Louisiana Monroe or Louisiana. Uh, And those games are on January 10th and January 12th. But not having Ike Smith, and now it sounds like big man, also a senior, Monte Glenn, is going to miss some more time. He's missed a few games already. But with Monte Glenn out, what you've seen is the emergence or or the attempted emergence of redshirt junior transfer Simeon Carter uh, from Iowa State. And at the beginning of the season, Monte Glenn, uh, Georgia Southern's really – only bona fide big man at the time because of course Simeon Carter was out with an injury at that time um Monte Glenn really really started the season well and you know whether whether this is the reason or not I'm not sure but 
around the time that Simeon Carter comes back is around the time that Monte Glenn's numbers start to drop. And now it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that with less minutes come less numbers. That's understandable. But they were significant enough to wonder if Monte Glenn and Simeon Carter were going to continue to be able to play together at a high rate. So having Simeon Carter in the middle and getting big minutes in the middle by himself is going to be something that Georgia Southern's going to have to live with whether they like it or not. Uh, I think Mark Byington would prefer, obviously, to have Monte Glenn be the the leading minutes getter as far as interior players go. But, you know, Simeon Carter seems to do his best work when he's getting 20 to 25 minutes instead of 30, 35 minutes. But, you know, I think the biggest storyline coming out of Georgia Southern basketball so far, outside of the injuries to, to Glenn and David Lee Jones, who looks to return this week, and um, Ike Smith, outside of the injuries, it's been kind of the adjustment to the strategy based on the injuries. So last season, and really under Mark Byington's tenure as Georgia Southern head basketball coach, Georgia Southern has been middle of the road as far as pace goes. You wouldn't you wouldn't have called them an up-tempo team, and you certainly wouldn't have called them uh, a half-court slow-it-down team. All the, all the metrics bear out that Georgia Southern was middle of the pack, and so you really didn't have an identity or something that you had to have happen in order to win a game. And, and that's fine and well, but this year the plan was, and, and Byington said this, the plan was um, to go up-tempo and to try to create you know, eight, 10, 12 more possessions, uh, a ball game. And this is kind of the new age of thinking when it comes to basketball, the more possessions you have, uh, the more shot attempts you can get. And if you're a good offensive rebounding team, you're creating even more shots with only one possession. It gets kind of nerdy, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's something that they were invested in and trying to do. And now with the injuries, they've been forced kind of to go back to, that middle of the road type team. And they've, again, they're nine and six. They've done a good job. And, and largely that's because they have good players, but they've done a good job of adjusting as the season goes. I think, you know, having talked to Byington uh, this week, yesterday, actually, and we're recording this on Wednesday. So Tuesday, when, when we talked to uh, coach Byington, he said that, that the concern at the beginning of the year was the three-point shooting, and Georgia Southern has not been a great three-point shooting team. But he, here's the thing. They've been better as it goes along, but I don't I don't know that you're going to hang your hat if you're Georgia Southern on the three-point ball. But if Monte Glenn, the big man, doesn't come back you know, for a lengthy amount of time, and if Ike Smith isn't there to kind of slash and, and play the wing as as he's so good at doing, you're going to be forced to to kind of play that that brand, and that kind of leads me to my next point. the The burden on Tukey Brown's shoulders right now is is pretty sizable, and you know I, I don't know. He's obviously not the kind of for those of who have heard him talk and kind of have seen him do interviews. He, he's not the kind of guy that's going to you know let let anyone know, especially the media, know that that something is different or that he's had to you know adjust because of the injuries but it is obvious that Tukey is is sensing that he's got to make things happen especially on the offensive end for Georgia Southern a lot of the things that Georgia Southern likes to do while Tukey Brown is 
clearly the best player, maybe the best player in the conference. The straw that stirs the Georgia Southern drink has been for the last three years, really Ike Smith. And a lot of the things they do, they run through him. And that's getting Tukey away from, from having the ball in his hand at all times and maybe getting him off the ball while Ike Smith has it. And you're kind of left with, you know, eliminating that option entirely without Ike Smith. So I think, you know, one of the key things to watch will be how Tukey Brown kind of handles uh, the load going forward. But wanted to give you guys a few of these numbers uh, quickly on the Georgia Southern basketball team. Really a strange kind of start stat-wise for Georgia Southern. wanted to give you guys a couple of stats that kind of relate to each other and you tell me if you can figure out how, how in the world this is happening. So field goal percentage, there are 351 teams ranked in Division One basketball. In field goal percentage, Georgia Southern ranks number 13 in the country. They're shooting 50.4% from the field, which is really, really incredible. I mean, that's, that's a super high mark. Points per game, they're number one in the Sun Belt, number 13 in the country, scoring 85 points a game. Now, again, this is out of 351 teams. So to be number 13 in the country in scoring with all these injuries, you're doing something right. But, but here's, what, here's what trips me up. If you're scoring 85 points a game, right, that's, that's a high margin. You're probably shooting it pretty well from the free throw line, and you're probably shooting it pretty well from the three-point line. That has definitely not been the case. Of 351 teams, Georgia Southern ranks 302nd in three-point field goal percentage. 351 teams, they rank 280th in free throw percentage. So what you have is a team that's in the top 15 in the country in scoring, but they're ranked 280 and 300 in free throw percentage and three-point percentage. That is, that's remarkable. And, you know, when I see something like that, I'm kind of looking to see, well, there's got to be one more thing that explains how they could, you know, be leading the Sun Belt in scoring while being one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country and one of the worst free throw teams in the country. And it didn't take me too long, I guess, relatively to find that stat. I think the key stat has been that Georgia Southern is 17th in the country and and turnovers forced. And so what you're doing is what we talked about just a second ago. What you're doing is you're creating more possessions and you're eliminating the other team's possessions. I know that is genius basketball analysis, but it's really something remarkable that this team has done because they could have easily folded in the non-conference because, you know, frankly, the Sun Belt is going to be a one-bid league. So what you do in the non-conference if Georgia Southern, they're nine and six, if Georgia Southern starts 15 and 0 in the non-conference, if they don't win the Sunbelt Conference Championship, they don't go to the NCAA tournament, period. So the wins and losses, while it is good for the program prestige and it is good for for morale, and you want to obviously win every game you play, but it's it's not as important as what's going on now in these conference games. The goal for Georgia Southern is to return to the NCAA tournament, and to do that, they'll need they'll need to probably be the one, two, or three seed in the Sun Belt Conference tournament, and then they'll need to run the table in that tournament um, in New Orleans. So, 
really, it's remarkable that they've scratched and clawed their way to this point. And I think from what it sounds like, it, it won't be too much longer until they're at least close to full health sans Ike Smith. So I don't know that, what's going on with Ike Smith, but I can tell you that there hasn't been a lot of good news coming out of that camp. And for me, if, if you're not hearing that he's re- progressing, if you're not hearing some sort of coach speak about how it's, it's getting better and they're getting closer to that point, something's, something's wrong because you would think that if they knew he would be back in two months, uh, they would at least kind of start hinting at, you know, he's, he's working out, he's practicing, he's conditioning, he's doing this. None of that, none of that, you know, has taken place yet. So that is worrisome for me as far as Ike Smith goes. I don't, I don't think this team wins the Sunbelt conference tournament without Ike Smith. And I certainly hope they prove me wrong, but that's something that is probably the biggest storyline for Georgia Southern hoops moving forward. Just to give you guys a heads up as to what's coming, um, coming up on the, on the basketball court. Again, Georgia Southern will host ULM Thursday, January 10th. That's a 7 p.m. tip. Then they'll get Louisiana, um, another Sunbelt Conference game. That'll be on ESPN Plus with Greg Talbot broadcasting. It's a 5 p.m. tip from Hanner. And then they'll go, they'll make the Alabama swing, and they'll go to Troy and South Alabama on the 17th and the 19th. Um, Just looking way ahead quickly, just some games to circle, some dates to circle maybe. I think at home, January 26th, Saturday, January 26th, 5 p.m., Texas State comes to Hanner Fieldhouse. And outside of Georgia State, Texas State seems to be the biggest challenger to Georgia Southern, who was predicted to finish second preseason um, by the voters. So I think Texas State, January 26th, 5 p.m., is a big one. Right after that, Georgia Southern will hit the road and go to Atlanta for Georgia State. But... Jan 26th, and then the finale, March 9th, Georgia State at home, 5 p.m. That'll be on ESPN+. And that will be a showdown, folks. You guys obviously know um, how how that works, how that rivalry works uh, in football. And I'm anxious to see how it works in basketball because we all know that Georgia State calls themselves um, a basketball school. And having beaten Georgia, I think, by 30 points, the University of Georgia by 30 points earlier this season. If Georgia State beats Georgia Southern, uh, especially at at their place, you're going to hear nothing but Georgia State being the best team in the state of Georgia. Um, and if even, you're a Georgia Southern Even fan, better than UGA? Better than UGA because they beat them by 30. Mm. Yeah. And, and who also beat the stuffing out of UGA? Uh, I'm going to guess Texas. Well, they did beat them in, in football. Yeah, who else? believe the uh, University of Tennessee because they may not be showing up in football, but basketball, they're number three. That's right. And I haven't seen Greg Talbot since they defeated Gonzaga. He is hiding out. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Gonzaga, as they have a tendency to do, kind of disappears in January and February, and I guess it's because it's so cold up there in the Northwest, but uh, I, I think Gonzaga will probably be fine. Tennessee is a good basketball team, though. They're really good. You know, when you got Rick Barnes, he he gets things done. Unless you have Kevin Durant, then you only get to the uh, Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that was that was an entertaining season for sure. I, I forgot to mention uh, this year the NCAA is using kind of a new metric to rank teams. You know, classically it's been the Associated Press poll has really been the dominant uh, poll. Uh, so 
for example, if you're watching a game on ESPN and there's a number beside the team, that, that number has almost always been uh, the AP ranking, which goes 1 through 25. This year, they're doing something called the net ranking. And, you know, without trying to bore you too much, it's basically combining a bunch of different things. There's a little bit of human element. There's a little bit of computer element. And then there's a little bit of, it's not exactly strength of schedule. It's, it's, uh, it's essentially strength of your opponent's wins. Um, but they'll combine all these things and they're called the net rankings, NET rankings. So if you ever want to know what Georgia Southern is ranked um, in basketball, I would just Google NCAA net rankings. Or you could check out our stories on savannahnow.com slash sports, which we will also touch on their rankings. Right now, Georgia Southern is ranked 123 in the country. Now, obviously that sounds bad, but you have six losses. All six of those losses have come to teams ranked in the top 111. So you haven't lost a game to a team that's ranked below you yet. If you're looking at the NCAA tournament, you would want to be around the top 75 area uh, come March. And once Georgia Southern begins playing more and more Sunbelt Conference games, they'll get legitimate competition. And with wins, they'll get legitimate wins, and they'll start rising in those rankings, uh, especially those games against Texas State and Georgia State. Um, Zach, you got anything else for the folks? No, you know, I'm sure they're looking for my uh, expertise on on all of the sports after showing. Well, I didn't know. I, know, if, I didn't know, I know if you ba- had any movie reviews for. I us. know basketball stuff. I can. I mean, we're gonna have to talk NBA. Like, well, tell us about basketball stuff. What's well, what's going on? Let me tell you the 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 way, the truth, and the light. Our Lord and Savior is Luka Doncic. Have, have you watched Neil Luka Doncic yet? I have Luka Doncic is really ripping the hearts out of every Hawks fan. I love it. Every Hawks fan, every single time he takes the four, that guy is something else. I, I saw something last night that said, it, who would you rather have, Luka Doncic or James Harden? There's no wrong answer. And I was like, well, I don't think Luka Doncic has reached that point. I mean, who would you rather have? I mean... Wow, just the fact just, that you're hesitating. <laughs> that's something. I'm just saying. Well, you let me who, ask you that. Here's you know who went one. up head-to-head against James Harden and... and Flattened him out. I'm just saying, Luka Doncic. King Luka, I got it. But would you rather have Luka Doncic or Trey Young? That's not even. A, that's a pretty easy answer. I'm not huh? even going to sit that. I mean, maybe let's you know Marvin Bagley or or Luka Doncic. I'm assuming the Hawks will get the first pick this year in the NBA draft, and they will pass on Zion Williams and in, and instead probably draft <laughs> draft somebody from Lithuania or some long term project. They'll, they'll be like, can we is Dragon Bender back in the draft? Yeah. Can we take Dragon Bender? Yeah. Uh, has anyone seen Kwame Brown? They, they'll have well, they have the Mavs pick also, so they'll have two first round picks, and they'll miss Zion with both of. Well, like they did with Doncic, they'll probably just give the Mavs the pick. Here, you take it from us. That's true. That's that that that's my that's my sports take right now. And I'm not going to get deep in the weeds on Texas Rangers news because we will absolutely put the audience. To we sleep. don't want that. But at least it's not college football. We know that since uh, you came yeah. in second and last place, you don't really want to talk college football. Uh, I'm no, I'm just. It's more disinterest. I mean, it's, you know. <laughs> It's this. It's been the same championship for the last like three years. At this point, who cares? Oh, please! All right, guys. Well, we listen. We appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to kind of do the same thing again. I I really, really, really want to hear from you guys on Twitter at Jadon Sports. Um, my email tjadon at savannahnow.com. I'm not just saying this as a promo. 
I really want to hear from you guys and hear what you want to talk about. And we'll read it on the show. Yeah, we'll read it on the show. And if you are passionate enough and if you disagree with me enough, maybe you'll be on the show. So reach out to us and, and interact with us. Let us know what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. And let us know how much you miss Greg Talbot. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern.